0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Speedball Mike Bailey. You're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yes.
1: On today's show, we will preview the road to destruction and cover all the news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, proclentese.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com. Frequently updated and with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared plus, synchronized viewing parties, and Much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man?
0: I'm ready to wrap this shit up right away because it is Labor Day. We are recording on a holiday. And do we even really give a fuck about the road to destruction anyways? Why are (laughs) we doing this?
1: (laughs) Cause we can't break our streak of being the longest running weekly episodic New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. We're out
0: here breaking our back for this business <laughs> that we love. We love. Oh man. <laughs> no, yeah. We got a good show coming up and uh, you know, we've had a little bit of a reprieve, uh, if you will, a break ever since the finals of the G1. Jeremy, you're caught up on the on the G1 finals.
1: Yeah, I did watch the G1 uh, this weekend. Uh, I, I was sick. You can probably hear it in my, my voice still a little bit. Uh, so it was a great weekend. Just lay in bed and uh, catch up on some of the stuff I missed when I was out in the UK. So, yeah, I watched the semifinals. I watched uh, Evil versus Okada. I watched um, Will Osprey and Naito. I watched the finals, Okada and Naito. So, yeah, I'm all wrapped up. Got all, I finished off my uh, star ratings thread, so I'm all caught up.
0: Unfortunately for you, the rest of the world, we moved on. We don't care that you watched it, but you know, good for you. <laughs> no, i Did you um? Did you also cram in Impact and All-Star Junior Festival shows? No, nah, I didn't watch those yet. Hey, they, I don't know. I don't know. You, there might be a couple things you might want to cherry pick from uh, a couple of those shows.
1: Yes, I did listen to the review from uh, you and Floyd. I, I caught up on the two keeping a strong songs I missed also. So I heard you and Floyd give some great recommendations. I know Floyd loved Kevin Knight. So uh, I will catch up on the show because, like I said, I'll, I want to be, you know, make sure I have an informed ballot come award season for junior match of the year.
0: I wouldn't say you're going to watch the whole show, but there's a couple things you might want to cherry pick from each show, um, you know, but that's, that's pretty cool. So you, you heard me, uh, Wish you happy birthday and congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> I did, yes. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, um, let's dive into this. So, um, it is September 4th, which means August has passed, and we have to award the wrestler and match of the month. And uh, I guess I'll start us off without any further ado. A very strong month, a lot of fantastic matches, but we have given the award for match of the month to the semifinal match between Will Osprey and Tetsuya Naito. I think Dave Meltzer gave it like six and a quarter stars, something like that. Just a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, match was absolutely incredible. They did it again, and I mean, just all the the sequences and counters. Osprey was bumping like a madman, especially after Naito got knocked loopy. That last Destino-Osprey bump, the bump Osprey took was super crazy to make it look so devastating. And, yeah, these guys just went out here absolutely killed it. I know a lot of people, they might like the Okada-Naito match better. Um, obviously, both, I think, match of the year contenders. But for me, this Osprey-Naito match just edged out a little bit, and it was just a, a masterpiece.
0: Well, if you listen to the episode with me and um – um Chris, you know that I was very, very high on Will, or I'm sorry, on Naito and Okada, and I think that might be my favorite match they've ever had.
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, so much of uh, their rivalry kind of played out in the storytelling of that match. Uh, yeah,
0: storytelling,
1: <laughs> cinema, cinema, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Osprey Naito, obviously, the, the incredible moves, the, the high pace. Dude, uh, Naito throwing the, the knees after the hip toss uh, mm-hmm. thing, that was brutal. Um, Osprey hitting sky twisters everywhere. I mean, just so much great stuff. Awesome match.
0: A lot of little stuff. And then the drama down the stretch, obviously, is like what tops it off.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's our August match of the month, August wrestler of the month. We're going to go with the winner of the G1 Climax 33 the leader of L.I.J. Tetsuya Naito.
0: Yeah, Naito had incredible matches in this month. You look at the match with Zack Saber Jr. You look at the match with Tanahashi, uh, the matches he had with Okada, and night or and Osprey in the finals. Um,
1: he just he
0: killed it that month.
1: Yeah, of course, great month for Naito, you know, especially a guy who. You know his knees are 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 in borrowed time. Um, you know sometimes he could be hit or miss, but yeah, he was really dialed in towards this final stretch of the G1. Then yeah, that back to back semifinal and final against Osprey and Okada, especially being knocked Loopy in the Osprey match to come back and have that great match of Okada. You know in just a few hours the next day um, was, yeah. was was incredible. So yeah, so that wraps up August Match of the Month, Wrestler of the Month. So next on the docket, we have the Destruction Tour, which will kick off this upcoming weekend, September 8th. So we're going to go through the upcoming Road to Shows that will be happening this weekend. And then we'll also just kind of maybe just talk about the destruction in Kobe and Ryogoku, just kind of a bigger picture of what all this stuff is uh, building towards so the uh, the first Road to Destruction night is uh, September eighth from Corkin Hall. Uh, so show will open up. We got Taguchi and Yo versus Doki and Kanamaru, Master Wato Oscar Lube shows Umino and Yuji Nagata versus Strong Style and Hanma. We got Goto, Yano and Yoshihashi versus Bad Dude Tito Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes of TMDK. Tenkoji teaming up with Tiger Mask and Togi Makabe to take on Okada Ishi Tanahashi and Yuto Nakashima. Then we got Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, and Yosutsuji versus United Empire with Kyle Newman making his New Japan debut. Great Okan, Hanare, and Jeff Cobb. Semi main event NJPW World Television Title Match. Zach Sabre Jr. defends against Oleg Bolton. And then the main event will be House of Tortures Evil and Show taking on Sonata and Tai Chi from Just Five Guys.
0: Oh, I'm a little surprised there. I thought for some reason I thought that Zach and both and Oleg was the main event. Is it not?
1: Uh, according to NJPW1972.com, uh, it's slotted in the semi-main spot. Okay, yeah. I mean, usually the most
0: accurate, um, you know, version of the card is going to be on NJPW1972.com. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll have to trust you on that one. But I, I thought i don't know for some reason i thought the last time i looked at it and was us say the opposite.
1: Shane, yeah i just went on a site it's now yeah it's, it's, it's yeah i'm looking at it too and you're right so interesting so i
0: guess that um even somewhat i knew that the tai chi sonata show evil tag match was going to be like a pretty big um preview but that probably elevates the importance of that match even just a little bit more beyond just being a major match on the card
1: yeah, that's building to uh, two big matches. So we you know Evil will be challenging for the world title against Sonata at Destruction in Ryogoku October 9th. And then um, Sonata, or excuse me, Show will be uh, challenging Tai Chi for the KOPW title. And, yeah, uh, and I
0: think what's interesting with this match is typically you would expect the junior on the, the card to be the de facto pin eater, and that's it's still a a possibility but with the fact that Sonata and Tai Chi are the champions and you've got challengers and show and show and evil and they're both heels, I think that opens up the possibility for I, I would say the only thing I couldn't see happening here no matter what I can't see evil losing but I could hypothetically see to varying degrees scenarios where Sonata Taichi or show end up doing the favor on that night.
1: Yeah, I think probably for the most probably compelling thing you, you want evil or show to get a win there to kind of make them as more viable contenders for their, their magics coming up, Sho challenging at uh, destruction in Kobe uh, for the KOPW against Tai Chi. So you want to make those guys look credible, especially Sho um, challenging a heavyweight. So you also it's Howard Torture, you can do a bunch of shenanigans, you could have um, you know, Dick Togo and Yudro involved and Sho can pin Tai Chi.
0: Yeah, I feel like Sho pinning Tai Chi might be the move there. Because he's the least credible of you know the the challengers in the match and kind of needs more momentum going into the match as opposed to Evil who you know he's had a few big wins here recently. Yeah. But um, I think the big match that most people are paying attention to on this card is going to be Zack Saber Jr. versus Oleg Bolton, and you know this is the first really big test we've ever seen for Oleg Bolton. We've gotten a, a little bit of taste of you know his skill set. We've seen him you know, go up against a few different young lions. We've seen him um, in you know, multi-man tag matches, but it's still very early into his pro wrestling career. And to see him on a semi-main event in Cork and Hall against Zack Sabre Jr. for a title, that's a huge spot. And I, I can't recall the last time I, I saw an active... I mean, I can't even think of the last time there was an active lion challenging for a title at all.
1: Right. Uh, We'd have a question here from MJ's PR says Bolton Oleg has a big opportunity ahead of him versus sack. What is the company expecting to see from him in this position?
0: Well, you know, he, he's not exactly a spring chicken. The guy's 30 years old. So he, and he's also a long tenured um, amateur wrestler in the world rankings. So probably has some wear and tear in his body. Obviously the guy is a physical specimen. I'm looking on cage match right now and he has, even though these haven't all, a lot of them are dark matches altogether. He's got 27 um, professional wrestling matches under his belt. So, you know, he's got a a little bit of experience here. And I think what they're probably looking for is to see if he can be guided to a credible, you know, title match with, um, you know, a technician master like Zack Sabre Jr. Someone that can guide him through. And if he can display, you know, a lot of the things that you're looking for out of a star, like charisma, passion, fighting spirit, fire, you know, the sort of stuff that you'd probably want to build off of if you intend to push somebody as a major star, which I think they've always had those intentions when it comes to Old
1: Bolt. Yeah, we've seen from uh, day one of this guy, he's got a lot of treatment that typical young lions don't get, you know, there's a special exhibition in Wrestle Kingdom you know, the, the big press release, a lot of stuff has been uh, built around this guy. And, and, you know, they made a big deal about his you know, official Young Line debut. So, yeah, I think they, they see big things for him. And, you know, like you said, he's not a spring chicken. It's almost kind of like a, a make or break. Like They need to kind of invest in this guy and get him going. And so, yeah, this is going to be a test. Get him out there with Zach Sabre Jr., one of the best wrestlers in the world. Let's see if he can, you know, follow Zach's instruction and, and have a great match here. And if he can be, if he can hold up in a guy there like Zach, it's like, all right, well, we can put this guy in there with Okada. We can put him in there with Naito, Will, all these other top guys, and he's going to be able to have a good match. The interesting thing, I'm looking at the
0: statistics here, and like, he's got a pretty good winning percentage, but in singles matches, he's undefeated. So, you know, he's he's only had 10 singles matches of record. The first five were all-time limit draws, but his last five, have all been against other young lines, and he's beaten them all. So, you know, um, they're definitely giving him a push right out the gate. It's very reminiscent of what we saw from um, uh, Katsuya Kitamura when he was being pushed in a similar position.
1: Yeah, going through that um, best-of-seven series that he was doing, that challenge series. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a big spot for uh, Bolton Oleg. I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, watching this match to kind of see what the future is for him and how it goes. But, yeah, definitely a big opportunity. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of likening this to like a proto Ric Flair versus Lex Luger or Sting or whatever, you know, Road Warrior Hawks, <laughs> any any of those large men that, you know, Scott Stein or guys that Flair was able to kind of guide to a, a very good, credible match. And I think that that's probably similar to what we're going to see here with, uh, you know. Zach guiding Oleg Bolton to a match, you know, maybe this'll be a little bit of, and I'm not saying he's Tom McGee, but maybe this will be a little bit of a Bret Hart Tom McGee situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a great, uh you know be another defense for Zach. I believe this will be uh V thirteen for Zach. So Zach's been having an incredible uh title run. Um, great champion this year.
0: Yeah, and I know, you know, uh granted like you look at uh Orange Cassidy just had like thirty something title defenses Yeah, thirty one. which that's crazy, but like in, in New Japan, the title defenses are a lot less frequent. And if you're looking at just modern times, there's very few people that have ever had as many title defenses of any belt in in New Japan history, especially within the IWGP period of the company. Um, already, I mean, you you probably have to figure that Zach's got one of the like five best title defense records, maybe maybe like top three in new japan history for the iwgb title you know era
1: yeah i mean we're only in september he's already at 13 i mean if he holds a belt for the remainder of the year he could probably get to 20 which is pretty crazy
0: yeah and i mean you know you look at like okada's legendary iwgp title reign that was 12 defenses and he's about to pass that which is pretty crazy yeah so, the next show that we have is the following day, also a Cork and Hall show on September 9th. We have Satoshi Kojima versus Oscar Webe, Taguchi and Yo versus Doki and uh, Takamichinoku, Master Wato, Shotomino, Hanma and Nagata versus Strong Style and Yuto Nakashima, Goto, Yano, and Yoshihashi, along with Oleg Bolton, taking on Bad Tito, Mikey Nichols, Shane Hayes, and Zack Saber Jr., Evil Show, Yujiro versus Sonata, Taichi, and Yoshinabu Kanemaru. And then the top two matches of the evening, the Never Openweight six-man tag team titles are on the line as Chaos, Okada, and Ishii teaming up with Hiroshi Tanahashi, the current reigning champions, defend their belts against Hiroshi Tenzan, Tiger Mask 4, and Togi Makabe. And then your main event is a 10-man elimination tag team match as the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, and Suji take on the United Empire team of Callum Newman, Great Okan, Hanare, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay.
1: Yeah, so I'll see once again the the semi-main and main, the two uh big talking points here in a semi-main event. We have that, you know, that dream team of Okada, Ishii and Tanahashi defending against Tenzon, Tiger Mask, and Togi Makabe, kind of a, a random trio here. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the undercard stuff. How did this matchup end up, like how do these guys end up becoming the number one contenders?
0: Um, you know, I don't recall that there was anything that set this up, and if there was, I missed it. I don't even recall them interacting with one another, although I did see that New Japan World, um, maybe the I think their account on Reddit or maybe the NJPW Global, they have a, a, a full preview with on. Um, you know, setting up this match, but I didn't. I don't recall anything from the G1 finals that was leading to this match in particular.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, so very kind of interesting. You know, mix of uh, you know, New Japan dads here challenging for the Never Six Man titles. Uh got to imagine this will be a uh, def- uh, easy win defense here for uh, Okada Ishi and Tanahashi.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you would figure that that's the case. I think this is probably a situation where the best you can hope for is a more lively and entertaining uh, match than you would normally expect out of the out of the dads um, in, in a situation like this. And we've seen some similar matchups in the past couple of years. Uh, one that comes to mind is like the Nakanishi retirement match. Oh, yeah. Which ended up being a lot better than people expected. So maybe we see something similar to that, but there's, there's no way that – Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi lose
1: <laughs> to
0: the, you know to the fourth generation dads
1: here. Yeah, so yeah, it should be a win there. And then uh, in the main event, we have Lij versus United Empire, and of course, this is all building to uh, Jeff Cobb versus Naito. Um, as well as let's see is there any other thing that's coming up for the ue and lij uh, there's J- a
0: special shingo uh special singles match between shingo and great okan isn't there
1: yes so yeah that's uh destruction in kobe shingo. Plus yota Yotasuji is challenging will osprey
0: for the us slash uk slash maybe IC title i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah so let's, let's touch about that real quick there's a, a lot of rumors that potentially the intercontinental title is coming back and this whole us slash uk title is going to be the way to bring it back what are, your, what are your thoughts about that
0: i don't know well you know part of me is like i'm i'm open to the idea of bringing the ic title back i thought it was a asinine decision to get rid of it in the first place especially when when some of the argument was that we had too many titles at the time but they've added five titles to the company <laughs> since they got rid of that one um But the the issue at hand is basically this. They took the IWGP heavyweight title and intercontinental title lineages and merged them and vacated them entirely and started a new lineage for the IWGP world heavyweight title. And part of the rationale was that we're creating a new belt out of two belts and retiring both of them. So... The problem with that is if you somehow create another icy title, it's very hard to logically claim connection to the original belt and its lineage. It's almost like you're creating a second version with it. If it has a new lineage, that's fine. Like it's just a spiritual successor that that would be fine. But I don't see how you can um, separate the IWGP and the IC titles lineages since you decided to use both of them to create the world heavyweight titles lineage. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Kind of reminds me back when uh, WWE, they unified the IC title, the world title and then brought the IC title back, but they kept the lineage.
0: See, that would have been easier because in that situation, WWE kept the world heavyweight championships lineage and they just merged the IC title into that belt. And when they brought the IC title back, it had its own lineage because it wasn't borrowing from the world heavyweight title this would have been much easier if new japan had decided to just retire the icy belt and create a new world heavyweight title but let it share the original iwgp heavyweight titles lineage never never have eradicated that yeah then that this would be much easier across the board but Again, these are all just rumors and speculations, but there is a little bit of smoke to the fire because we saw Lord Gideon Grey and uh, Takami Obari kind of hinting at the idea of the icy title coming back. And, you know, Chris was on the show and sort of, you know, I don't know, hinting around something about an IC title. And I was like... (laughs) Does this motherfucker knows something we don't know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he probably doesn't. He's probably just speculating as a fan, like the rest of us. But you know, more often than not, sometimes he's right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he was uh, sniffing this one out a little early.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see what they end up doing here. But yes, yeah, uh, Lij U.E., feud should be great. Also, we got a Callum Newman, like we mentioned, making his you know debut in New Japan on this tour, part of this unit. So I'm interested to see how he's going to kind of. You know, acclimate himself to the New Japan style and, you know, mix with United Empire. Yeah, you know who's going to win this match is, like, Bushi. <laughs> he, he
0: thrives in this match for whatever reason. Yeah, he, he always survives.
1: wins these, like, multi-eliminations.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to come down to, like, Bushi and, like, Calum Newman, and he's going to eliminate Calum Newman and win the match for everybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Either that or, like, is going to win.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, then that's going to lead us to uh, night 30 of the tour, which will be September 10th. This is going to be a Blue Justice 13 show. So we've got uh, Tenzan, Bullock Olten, Tiger Mask, and Toki Makabe against Oscar Lube, Satoshi Kojima, Tomioka Hanma, and Yuzo Nakashima, Taguchi, and Yo versus the Bebop tag team of Tanahashi and Toriyano. Got Goto, Okada, Ishii, and Yoshihashi against TMDK, Bad Tito Nichols, Haste, and Sabre. Bushi, Shingo, and Naito versus Great Okan, Hanarange and Jeff Cobb. Hiromu Takahashi and Yotosuji versus Calum Newman and Will Ospreay. Semi-main event, Dick Togo, Evil, Show and Ujiro versus Doki, Sanada, Taichi, and Kanamaru of Just5Guys. And then the main event, we're going to see the first of a series matchup here, a best of seven series, six-man tag match. Between the team of Master Wato Shoto Umino and Yuji Nagata versus strong style of El Desperado Minoru Suzuki and Ren Narita.
0: Yeah, um, I think overall this show obviously doesn't have as many high end, uh, you know, main event slash semi main event matches the way that the two preceding shows did. But uh, I think the fifth and the sixth match are nice little preview tags. We're going to get to see Hiromu and Suji against. Calvin Newman and Will Osprey, which should be really fun and then you know they're going to continue the uh tai Chi and Sonata and uh, Evil and Show series giving us another big uh, preview there but this um six man tag best of seven series I, like I said on the previous episode I don't recall if they've ever done a best of seven series in New Japan and if they have uh I'm not really privy to it or I can't recall it so I do think that this is pretty interesting and it's something you know cool that they're doing that kind of keeps um you know Shota to umino and master wato and desperado and render read all these guys you know kind of busy in a period where there's not anything major lined up for those guys because i mean they could have easily just floated into the background and just you know busy themselves with multi-man tags but instead the, this series actually has heat behind it it has a purpose People will have investment, and by the time they're going to blow it off at the uh, Destruction and Ryogoku show in October, that's where the, you know, if it goes all seven, which I'm sure it will, will, I can't recall, a Best Seven series never going the full seven, Right. um, that's where we're going to get the final payoff. So this is going to be a great series all throughout this tour, and I hope all the matches make tape. I'm sure they probably will.
1: Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. You could create, um, you know, number of contenders for the never-six-man titles out of this feud here. Mm. Uh, also, you can continue the, the feud between uh, Umino and Rita, kind of fuel that going. Also, Suzuki and Nagata have a, a history and a feud there. Um, so, yeah, a lot of interesting elements, all part of this uh, matchup. Also, Wato and Desperado, they've had a little feud as well. So, yeah, it should be uh, fun. And like you mentioned, like it's going to add some stakes to what would traditionally kind of be a, so, oh, another random Multi man on a road to show, but now there's going to be some stakes. There's going to be these guys are kind of fighting for pride here. Who's going to, who's the best uh, trio? And like I said, it could lead to uh, one of these teams being future challengers for the never six man titles.
0: Yeah, I I agree, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm a, a little bit of a sucker for the best of seven series, so you know, um, you know, I, I know Rich Latt is listening. He's like, it's not going to compete with, you know. The, the elite versus
1: uh, death triangle versus death triangle and it's like, well it doesn't need to rich <laughs> oh man hey you never know uh umino might be flipping
0: <laughs> i'm sure there will be some flips but um uh, you know uh, one thing that they've been hyping up in the um lead up to this is you know the long-standing feud between nagata and suzuki and those are matches where if you haven't gone back in and- Watch some of those classic matches. I highly recommend that you do because they are just so hard-hitting. Hit, hard and, like, even just a couple years ago during yeah, the pandemic. G, that G1. The, in, yeah, well, during the empty arena uh, period, during the um, New Japan Cup. They had That's those, what I meant. Yeah, New Japan Cup, yeah. They had those crazy matches, and I was, like, almost five stars on one of them. No one else was, but I, I fucking love their matches. So
1: Yeah, those guys, great chemistry, great matchup. So, yeah, should be a lot of fun when they mix it up in this uh, best seven here. Well, that is going to do
0: it for the three shows that are upcoming. But we do have New Japan's Destruction in Kobe on September 24th, coming from Kobe World Hall. And then uh, another big destruction uh, show, the final major destruction show in October, on October 9th, coming from Goku, uh Kogu Kan. I never know how to say that. And a lot of the preview matches that we've kind of just glossed over are leading to the main uh matches on these two shows so we thought we'd just kind of go over them i i don't know this doesn't necessarily serve as like the official official preview for these shows i don't know how in depth we want to go but you know it's probably a good idea to talk about the different feuds that are going on because it feels sort of like we have a bit of a reset now after the g1's over
1: yeah i think looking at these cards it's, it's, it's a great way to kind of have the the big picture of what this whole tour is building so i see these are kind of the pillars of the tour with the uh road to
0: Show
1: <laughs> With the road shows kinda in the in-between and building to these shows. So yeah, I think it's a good idea to kinda look at the, co- the show. the shows. see when we get closer, we'll do like official previews and predictions. Uh, but uh yeah, September twenty-fourth, Kobe World Hall. We got Kevin Knight in Tiger Mask versus the Bull Club War Dogs, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. Then we got House of Torture, Dick Togo, Evil Nudro versus Doki Sonada and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Alex Coughlin, Chase Owens, David Finley, Gabe Kett and Gato of Bull Club versus the GOD team of El Fantasmo, Hikaleo, Jado, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa. Leo Rush and Yo versus Bushi and Hiromu. Okada and Ishii versus Bad Dude Tito and Zack Sabre Jr. And then the title matches we have the provisional KLPW title, Taichi, defends against Sho. IWGP Tag Team title match, Bishamon will defend against Nichols in Haste. And then Shingo Takagi versus Great Okan, Tetsuya Naito versus Chip Cobb, and the main event for the IWGP US slash UK heavyweight title, Will Ospreay defends against Yota Suji.
0: Yeah, and one thing that's kind of nice here is, like, uh, depending on how you look at it, um, this tour is leading to the major show in October, but we have another, you know, pretty big show just a couple weeks prior to that, and, like, I would say about half of this show is previewing the, the show coming up in Ryo Goku. Whereas, um, you know, the second half of the show is sort of like payoffs to a lot of the feuds that are taking place during out the tour. We've had complaints in the past where they've had multiple big shows like this, but in very close succession that it feels like they're doing one shows, like two shows, but just separating it and making it into two separate shows, you know, basically to profit off of it and doing it all together. Whereas these are broken up with enough distance that I feel like the first show kind of serves as like a little bit of a precursor still has some big matches still in a pretty big venue and it's going to have some, some, some good energy, but it sort of makes logical sense the way it's building to the October show, which I think is a little bit better and less of a cop out than your typical, you know, night one night two and you know, everything's split.
1: Yeah, I think they've built up enough programs to kind of are that are worthy of having, you know, two big shows on this tour.
0: Yeah. Um, it looks to me, though, I guess we could go top to bottom. So we've got the IWGP United States title match, Will Ospreay versus Yotasuji. That's one of the biggest programs throughout the tour that's being built. Um, but it seems like they've already sort of kind of tipped their hand a little bit that Will Ospreay is likely retaining here. Not that. You wouldn't necessarily expect that he wouldn't, but because of the end of Royal Quest, where Zack Saber Jr. came out and challenged Will Ospreay for the US UK title at um, Royal Quest three that's coming up, it seems more than likely that he's gonna retain unless there's some sort of major swerve in the works.
1: Yeah, I mean obviously with it being the UK cover box, you you want to draw, I think Doing Osprey Saber for the quote unquote UK title makes a ton of sense. So uh, I get why they shot that angle at Rev Pro um, on the 11th anniversary show, but it also kind of does hurt, yeah, uh, Suji's uh, chances of people believing the Suji winning this match.
0: Another talking point, I, I, going back to the IC discussion, is like Zach is the current reigning new japan world television champion and it is kind of interesting that as the 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 tv champion he's challenging also for the you know for the red belt and maybe some sort of merger situation is in order for them to create the icy belt but then part of me is also wondering like is that appropriate because they just created the new japan world title although there are those people that really hate the design and look of that <laughs> belt would be probably more than happy for the white strap to come back and replace these belts.
1: Yeah. I don't know. The TV title has grown on me and, and I like the purpose it serves. I like these the 15 minute matches. Um, I, Same. I think it's a great thing. You know, i you have Zach establishing it, but I think uh, having a young guy beat Zach and kind of having that, like it's was created for to be kind of a younger guy title and kind of a, a more of a high speed, faster pace uh, match. I think it's a kind of a great title to have.
0: I, I agree, um, but it'll be interesting there. and uh, I do think it's a little bit of a shame that it feels like Suji couldn't win unless they're gonna pull some sort of major swerve and uh, you know take the belt off of him. Obviously, the the um, I think one of the major reasons that they're thinking about doing Zach and will at the copper box too is because the persistent uh, rumors that you know, Zach, or I'm sorry, not Zach will is potentially on his way out of the company come January and maybe, you know, regardless of whether you do a title switch there or not, that's probably likely the very last potential time for them to do Zach and will in the UK for new Japan, like ever. So, you know, that could hypothetically be the culmination of their feud, unless they both wind up in the same company down the road. Right. Yeah. So, um, Beyond that, we have two special singles matches: Shingo Takagi versus Great Ocon and Tetsuya Naito versus Jeff Cobb. Um, you know, traditionally, uh, the winner of the G1 would go on to defend their title shot, and I don't think that that's the case anymore. Uh, you know, probably because of the precedent that Okada set last year. So, like, we're getting Naito and Cobb. It is kind of a grudge match. Cobb did beat Naito in the G1 and maybe Cobb would have this, you know, maybe a win for Cobb would put him into some sort of contention, but Naito's the G1 winner. He's going on to the Tokyo Dome win, lose, or draw. He did say that, um, you know, he was thinking about just walking out of the match after five (laughs) seconds. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's going to be interesting, but I'm, I'm sure Naito's picking up the win there regardless.
1: Yeah, you know, hypothetically, if Cobb were to win, I guess you could either do like a three-way, you know, Cobb, and Sonata at the Tokyo Dome, or you have Cobb, Challenge, uh, Power Struggle in November. Um, there, there's some, some op- options you could do, but yeah. I think we we, we only
0: do three-way
1: main events in the Tokyo Dome when Brock Lesnar signs
0: with the company. <laughs> That's the only time. <laughs> um, but Shingo and Great Okan, these guys have, uh, you know, even had recent um, history with each other going back to just this year so. Uh, that that match feels a lot more like some sort of, you know, crossroads match for both guys. Neither one of them um, qualified for the you know final eight during the G one this year. Both of them are looking to get into contention for you know gold once again. Uh, regard you know wherever that might be within the company. So um, this one feels like it probably has a lot more stakes uh, than even Naito Cobb. You know, as weird as that sounds.
1: Yeah, a win here is going to tell you who they're going to be pushing going towards the the rest of the fall and going into Wrestle Kingdom season.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, maybe, you know, I I love Shingo. I want him to be the guy, but, you know, there's the argument that they haven't really utilized Ocon the way that they should. And, again, if there is an expectation, hypothetically, that Will's on the way out, maybe you should start putting some pieces into place to accommodate for – you know, what could be a week in United Empire. Yeah. Um, Following that, prior to that, we also have IWGP Tag Team titles. Bishamon is defending against Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes. There's been a lot of talk online about the fact that we're at the 99th title reign and who's going to be the 100th champions and how major that would be. And I've heard a lot of people kind of discuss their speculations, and it feels to me like most likely, if TMDK doesn't win here, then we're probably looking at, you know, World Tag League and whoever wins that being the guys to take the belts off Bishamon.
1: Yeah, I think this is TMDK's third tile challenge this year. Um, you know, they've challenged, I think they challenged Bishamon earlier in the year. They challenged Aussie Open, and now it's their, I think I believe it's their third time challenging. So these guys, you know, they're kind of becoming failing challengers. Uh, so at this point, I think they got to kind of win here
0: that's what i would do and i mean you know uh i think it might just be a little bit of happenstance that they're the 100th champions some people put a lot of stock into that they want to see new japan do something special but you know i i have to wonder unless you're going to put like a dream team together of some sort like bishamon would have been the appropriate guys to win it the 100th time and they are the 99th champion so uh I, i see no harm in going with tmdk yeah and then um, the other big match preceding that was tai Chi versus Show, which is being, uh, you know, previewed all throughout the tour. And it's a KOPW match. We don't know what those stipulations are. We're still a-, a ways out. And I'm sure we'll get a better idea of what kind of match they might be building to as we see them in these preview matches.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Show will try to do some kind of House of Torture, you know wrenches bullshit. yeah wrenches are yeah. legal. <laughs> who knows what ties? I, say,
0: I say they do a scaffold match <laughs> oh my
1: uh, no one can get hurt from that
0: and uh you know aside from that we don't have to relitigate but the the preview the first five matches of the show are pretty good previews leading to destruction in Goku on October 9th on that show uh which is even a bigger show. We have a lot of uh, big matches. The first one is a singles match between Tango Owen, and Chase Owens. Um, second match of the night, IWGP junior heavyweight tag team titles as the Bull Club War Dogs, Clark Connors, and Drilla Maloney defend against the intergalactic jet setters, Kevin Knight and Kushida. Following that, there's a six-man tag best of seven series match seven provided they get to match seven, but they're already advertising it, so I'm sure we're going to get there <laughs> as um, Team Nagata takes on um team suzuki of strong style uh fourth match of the night the strong openweight tag team titles are on the line as bull club war dogs alex coglin and gabe Kidd, defend against god's al phantasmo and hikaleo fifth match of the night the iwgb junior heavyweight title is on the line as hiromo defends against mike bailey and leo rush sixth match of the night never openweight title is being defended as the champion dave finley defends against Tamatonga. Former champion. And then your main event, the IWGP World Heavyweight Titles on the line as the champion Sonata defends against
1: evil. Yeah, pretty uh, good-looking card here. I do know that I think a few more matches will probably be announced as we uh, progress down the tour. I'm sure we'll get a couple more multi-mans. Maybe something else will will pop up. But what we have here so far is a pretty strong card.
0: Yeah, they don't have anything announced for, like, Okada or Tanahashi just yet. Mm Mm-hmm um or like will or zach you know so it'll be interesting we'll see you know potentially something lines up for you know stars of their caliber essentially
1: yeah you could do some multi-mans or maybe something else will come up with those guys uh but yeah uh looking uh, really excited looking forward to this card uh that junior title match Hiromu bailey and leo rush should be a lot of fun
0: yeah i mean it, at the very least there's no matches that that don't have stakes or a title attached to them. And the ones that don't, you know, we are like singles matches, which are rare in New Japan. Tangelo and Chase Owens, I don't know, <laughs> take it or leave <laughs> it. I'm sure there's going to be pe- people, you know, complaining about that one and, you know, with good reason. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's a pretty good card. I don't know how jived I am about Sonata and Evil again. Um, yeah. But it is what it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Naito's not booked for this, ma- this show either. So, you know, there's still time for some of the bigger stars to get, you know, matches on the show.
1: Right. Just knowing how New Japan books, I'm going to imagine they'll probably end up doing another L.I.J. versus United Empire multi man uh, match. Kind of keep yeah. that rivalry going until, you know, after this tour is done. So they'll probably do that. And then, yeah, maybe Okada and Tanahashi, <clears throat> and then Ishii against some other <laughs> random trio. And this is a week after the major
0: just f- phenomenal monumental you know uh
1: Antonio Inoki Wrestle Dream uh <laughs> memorial card you know yeah so, that apparently maybe, I guess uh, New Japan talent will will be at Yeah
0: uh Tony Khan said New Japan talent is, is you know definitely going to be sent over um I was in the group chat today with Rich and I did a little bit of digging because you know he 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 kind of shared that with us that you know, at, at the end of last night's pay-per-view that that was shared. And I started looking and doing a little bit of digging to see, like, who actually is available. And it's like, I, I have the full list here. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to go through the full, full list, but it, it, this will give you an idea. The big stars you could get are Will, Zack Sabre, and Kenta. Beyond that, you could get Bishamon, Catch-2-2, Luck Fale, hiroyoshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, Robbie Eagles, Rocky Romero, Taguchi, Ishimori, Makabe, Hanma, and then basically anyone from Strong, anyone from the Fale Dojo, Lions that are on excursion. That's pretty much who's available. So, like, you know, not to deride anybody that was listed, but aside from like the three big stars, you're talking about basically Gaijin's juniors, the guys that are in Australia. Dudes that are on excursion, dads, and then people from strong. Like they, that's not exactly like your, you know, top tier New Japan like representation.
1: Right. It's not you know something with like the fans, you know, the U.S. fans. No, it's not Naito. It's not Tanahashi, Ishi, Suzuki.
0: Yeah, and again, it's not to like uh, besmirch any of the talent. Like I, obviously, like I'm a big fan of like Rocky Romero, and I'm a big fan of you know uh, Zach Saber Jr., Will Ospreay, But it's like I think a lot of the fan base. Who are not knowledgeable about New Japan, they're they're thinking they're gearing up for a Forbidden Door part two, and it's it's not happening. Yeah, I, and you, you I do. also think there's people that think that they're going to make a sudden last minute change to a Cork and Hall show that they're advertising, and they're not going to do that.
1: I would be very surprised if they did. I mean, if they're going to do it, they should do it now since that show now. it's like a month away. Like doing it, let people know, hey. You know, Okada's not going to be here. Nigel's not going to be here. They're going to the States. So, you know, sorry about the inconvenience. Here's the card change. So, yeah, if they do that now, I'll shut my mouth about the
0: thing and I won't bring it up again. <laughs> but uh, I, I really don't think that's happening.
1: Yeah. Uh, you also did mention that they could do like um, original L.A. Dojo guys that were training under Anoki, like Brian Danielson, TJP, Samoa Joe. Uh, yeah,
0: I think that's the one thing where, you know, you've got. You have a quite a few of those people available, and a lot of them already work for EW. But you know, like Katsuri Shibata, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, Rocky Romero, Ricky Reyes, TJP—like all those people are pretty much available and could be on the show. And maybe they'll do some sort of like tribute, you know, because those are people that were actually connected to Inoki. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know. And if someone's listening, maybe I'm giving them the idea. I don't know.
1: <laughs> You're welcome, TK. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: But, um, I guess we should, uh, you know, jump into the news, I, unless you wanted to talk about Road to Destruction some more.
1: No, I mean, we'll, we'll cover the, the bigger shows as we get closer to them, do official preview and predictions. So, yeah, let's, uh, jump into the news.
0: All right. Awesome. So, um, Ryohei Oiwa is doing his excursion at NOAA. Um, he had his, uh, first tag match just recently at the N1 finals. He was teaming up with, Ke- uh, uh, Kato Kiyomiya. They took on the, um, team of who did uh, who they wrestle it was zach saber jr and, uh, and ogawa ogawa um which was like the semi-main event or like the you know second from the top uh we did have a couple of questions barry walsh said i still think that he's going to be in all capitals the man he got a huge reaction from the crowd and looks absolutely huge i was surprised he was getting OIWA chance from those in attendance i know it's almost impossible to tell but two years in his career how do you see his progression Buy OIWA stock now.
1: Yeah, so I saw the, the clip of uh, OIWA's new look, you know, RIP to the mullet. Uh, <laughs> you know, he has some, uh, you know, out of the black trunks. And so, yeah, it's kind of the first time, at least since we've been covering New Japan, that a young lion has chose to do their excursion domestically. And there's an interview on the site where OIWA talks about, you know, wanting to be different and choosing to do an excursion at Noah domestically. Um, so yeah, definitely kind of a, a different thing, kind of a cool opportunity. Uh, I think his new look looks great. Um, you know, he's progressed a lot as a young lion. He has a lot of, you know, of the, the, the tools and skills that you learn in the dojo. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be quote unquote the man or, or the ace. I and mean, he's a, he's a tough, you know, set of generation to deal with, but, um, yep. he's definitely a great guy, a great wrestler. And I think that the Noah excursion should help progress him more. I'm s- I'm still really high in
0: Oiwa and Fujita and think that they are phenomenal. Um, but like you said, Jeremy, they've got a lot of uh, top-end talented, you know, lion guys that have come before them. And, you know, I'm still waiting on uh, – uh, what's his face? What's you, wrong with you? Mora? Yeah, I'm still waiting for Uramora to come back because he's the guy that I've got most of my, like, you know, stonks.
1: Yeah, in. I think Uramora could be the man.
0: But – you know they they've got him teamed up with uh Joe Hendry i think their tag team name is uh Joe or i don't know you what what's i'm i'm getting like flabbergasted what's his name again Uamora. yeah and ujo i think is the name of the team or something
1: did you see that i saw that that they've been teaming but Georgia. i not i haven't seen any of the footage of them teaming
0: yeah, it's fucking weird. Like, you know, the, the longer this excursion is going on, the more I'm getting nervous that it's not an excursion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's just, just a full-time impact guy now.
0: I don't know. You know, I, I hope that's not the case, but I'm I I I you know, uh I'm starting to remember like Kenzo Suzuki like just never came back. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, this whole thing recently with Katsuri Shibata where it's like, oh yeah, he signed a you know new Japan he, he's got a contract with them and then he's like oh, yeah, I am not with them and then he's like oh yeah I'm with them and then I don't know if he works for the company or not I literally can't tell and that's kind of what it's like with you and Mora, so um but yeah uh oh I didn't see this match I did see that he's got pants now so you know um I'm glad to hear he got uh reactions and i you know I'll probably check it out yeah Ushi Road CEO Takaki Kadani noted that they're looking at expanding both New Japan and Stardom into Southeast Asia. So this was something that I brought up a couple weeks ago during um, the episode I did with Floyd. But uh, Jeremy, what were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I know that um, Kadani kind of mentioned, you know, AEW's rise has kind of hurt their growth in the U.S. market, so they're looking at other markets to expand and. You know, they're, they're doing stuff in the UK and now they want to do more stuff in uh, Southeast Asia. So I think it's mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of a good call. It's like, yeah, why saturate a, a market that's, uh, you know, already has a ton of competition? Like, try to branch out in other territories. Also, I still think they need a, a US presence. They should continue to try and build their US presence, but also kind of tapping into their other audiences. Also, you know, the UK is a great base for them. Um, box tickets are on sale. I think they're doing pretty great. Uh, UK fans love new Japan. So yeah, I think they can tap into this Southeast Asia market and you know create a new uh source of revenue for them.
0: Yeah, I don't know what kind of um you know uh consumption habits there are for wrestling in that part of the world, but this is a uh, a business strategy that one championship has employed and it's been pretty successful for them. And uh you know all of this is kind of also interesting given some of the comments that Rocky made during the interview that we had with him prior to the interview with Takaki Kidani and I don't know how much that's all going to be affected you know because uh the wrestling industry is very fluid but uh Rocky had brought up you know some of his hopes goals and aspirations when it came to the strong brand in the US so um you know I guess we'll watch and see how it plays out but very interesting stuff there um in other news, there will be a 10-bell salute at 6.15 p.m. in Corken Hall on September 8th before Road to Destruction in honor of Terry Funk. Um, another big news story that came out this past week was uh, a Reddit post in uh, both the New Japan uh, Reddit as well as the, I believe it's the, the Pro Wrestling School Reddit, which I'm actually a part of, and um, an unidentified individual that uh, has been part of the Fale dojo uh basically like leaked his experience with the Fale dojo and it's very if you haven't read it i recommend you go online and read it it's very lengthy um but we got questions about it but i guess before we get to those questions i mean jeremy what was your you know basically um you know i, I guess how could you um summarize what was kind of conveyed there
1: yeah, I'll see us. Overall, it's a really horrible experience for this trainee. Um, some of it is some stuff you kind of hear from a lot of wrestling schools where the head trainer is not really training. You know, he mentioned Bad Luck Fale not really training. A lot of it was on Tony Cazina, Um, and Tony Kazina kind of having a, um, you know, not the best training methods and using um, slurs and different kind of curse words at the trainees and Uh, people getting hurt, a guy had got a concussion, was forced to continue training, passing out, living conditions, having mold, um, you know, this kind of thing of, he was talking about throwing Japan out as this kind of allure, like, oh, we'll get you to Japan, but they send guys when they're not ready, and then nobody ever really gets to go to Japan, this is this whole kind of crazy story about just the overall, like, life as a a Fale Dojo trainee, and, and the payment, and uh, you're paying for these intakes. You're not getting a lot of training. You're barely wrestling. It's this whole crazy thing.
0: Yeah, it sounded like they're inundated with a lot of perspective, uh, you know, wrestlers or trainees that are joining in hopes to potentially make it to Japan or find a way. And if you've listened to our interview with Robbie Eagles earlier this year, talking about how difficult it is to make it as a professional wrestler in Australia, um, just because of, the geography and, and the, the wrestling landscape, it kind of makes sense to me why so many individuals are going to the Fale Dojo to try and create a path or Avenue for themselves to make it maybe perhaps to new Japan for wrestling. But, you know, realistically, if we're just going to, you know, be very honest, no, there've been basically Yuto Nakashima who is a Japanese domestic resident jumped couldn't make it in the new japan no Gay dojo initially and went to australia or is it it's new zealand right yeah yeah went to new zealand to join the foley dojo and then was brought back to um the Noge dojo when he was ready and then made it there but there have been no new zealand stars that have come out of the Fale dojo and made it to japan the closest thing you could probably point to is like michael richards who uh, my understanding is he is currently signed to a, a lions um contract and maybe we'll see him in the future but as it stands now he did one tour with the company and that was years ago and since then you know even post pandemic has not been back has not worked in japan for the company and there's been maybe the only other person you could probably point to is like hanare mm, you know yeah. so like ba- basically like hanare and Yuto Nakashima are the two guys in however many years, basically since this show's been going so like five years, that have actually come over from their dojo. And they've had at this point what sounds like hundreds of people spending, you know, basically it sounds like these are eight week intakes. They're they're spending around five thousand dollars to come in and potentially I mean that sounds like an exorbitant cost.
1: Yeah, uh, it's like not even covering like their their rent for their staying. Yeah
0: yeah it it does not sound like a good situation now granted new uh, and not just new japan but per rezu in general doesn't have the most sterling reputation when it comes to training and trainees there have been lots of scandals over the years and things that have occurred in these private dojo systems you know a lot of that is systemic going back to the way to some of the the issues that exist uh, that have existed in the past in sumo culture, and they've kind of persisted and per, you know, into resu as well. But I have to imagine, you know, just based on the output that comes from a lot of these Pearl companies that in a dojo system, you know, even though it's tough, and even though there's probably some very questionable tactics and, and treatments, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. And a lot of those guys come out and they're stars and they, they, they're incredible wrestlers, but
1: this Foley Dojo
0: has been going on for a very long time and people, and another thing they talked about is like, they don't have the right, uh, training conditions, right, like no, they do
1: boxing ring.
0: Yeah. They're, they're working in a boxing ring, which I don't know if you guys know the difference, but a boxing ring has no give. And you know, you can't really learn to work properly in a boxing ring because you can't bump properly. Uh, essentially it's the closest thing to that would be like working in a Lucha Libre ring, which is. Or, like in the UK, they worked in boxing rings. So, you don't bump on those. You typically, you roll, majorly roll. Yeah. Because it's too painful to, to <laughs> learn how to, to work and bump properly. And so, um, you know, I don't know if anyone else is corroborating this, this individual story, but it sounds pretty horrific, honestly. Um, We'd have some questions here. Death Triangle 720 said, Have you heard about what's been going on in the New Zealand dojo? Um, at Burger King's Road said, made a post about, oh, he said uh, at Burger King Road made a post about it and Super Jcast tweeted about it. It's a serious issue that needs to be rectified by New Japan. And then we were asked a question by the Super Jcast um, asking us, how do you fix the Folly Dojo mess? And honestly, Jeremy, my my simple answer, and I know that people don't probably want to hear this, especially people associated with that dojo, but like I would just, me personally, I don't think it's worth the headache. I would just cut ties.
1: Yeah, I think New Japan, they got they need to remove... The easiest thing would be to remove their name and affiliation from this. I know, also I, I don't know what bad luck Fale's contract status is. He hasn't really worked much in New Japan recently. But, yeah, I mean, I think they need to cut ties. Or if they really want to do this, they need to do... They have to clean house, get rid of Fale, get rid of Kazina, um, you know, make Robbie Eagles or somebody that, you know, that the lead trainer and totally change it up.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing. Um... Uh, One of the things that was stated in that uh, interview was that Fale is very much respected and looked up to by the wrestlers in the intakes. And when he is there, he he is beneficial and helpful uh, in teaching them, but he was like, you know, he's hardly there. So we don't learn that much and there's no oversight. There's not a lot of like good leadership and guidance. So um, I don't know how, how, how much financial benefit, perhaps new Japan gets from this. I have to imagine that if there is some sort of relationship that they're probably getting a cut of the um, proceeds. And I don't know if, if it's in their best interest, you know, to, you know, kind of turn a blind eye to what's been going on, because as long as the money keeps coming in, but at the end of the day, you look at what they're doing with the LA dojo Academy, which is no longer a dojo system. It's now just a pro wrestling training school. And, there probably should be some parameters and provisions and oversights that are put into place and and that whole thing because um you know wrestling is wrestling it's a carny business grifters are going to grift and there are people who are going to take advantage of people's hopes and dreams and i mean i gotta tell you like obviously i've done some wrestling training nothing as extensive as what those guys are doing but like you're not going to catch me paying $5,000 for eight weeks to go in there and just run around and do squats and learn how to do a couple rolls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not worth $5,000.
1: <laughs> yeah. Apparently when a folly is not there, like people who have already graduated from the intakes are the ones leading like the classes and the training instead of like an actual wrestler.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not good. Um, so it, it sounds very messy. And I think if they can't get a handle on it, uh they probably and you know basically like you said clean house and have the right oversights and safeties put into place and everything like that then uh they probably shouldn't be connected to it because it's not right for people to believe that they're going to have some sort of ability to make it over to new japan pro wrestling when there's no track record of that at all and i understand that there was a pandemic and it probably did put a halt on certain aspirations that they had but even now, the, the three main guys who are tied to that dojo, Andrew Lobos, Richard Mulu, and, and Michael Richards, they've never come to Japan. We've never seen, you know, um, Alan Wright and some of the other guys from that dojo. So it, it, it's not right.
1: Yeah, and then for the the uh, Tamashi shows, only certain guys are able to work those shows. They're filling it out with, with you know, Australian, New Zealand indie guys, so like even that's not even a promising opportunity to have if you're not at a certain skill level. Yeah. And I mean, and it's kind of also, you know,
0: I've seen some of those shows and I mean, you've heard some of my reviews and I've been like, I don't know if you want to be using, (laughs) (laughs) you you kind of have to decide what this is. Is it, is it a developmental system for the guys from the from the Fale Dojo? And that's strictly what it is, which they, you know, uh, in their defense, they are running some Fale Dojo shows recently for the first time which is cool but at the same time it's like what the work they're doing is very very low level green boy work i mean i've been there i it's a part of the business you have to break in somewhere but i don't know if the tamashi brand if you're trying to launch it as a third brand if if you can build it off the back of the guys from that dojo so far what we've seen the answer would be no you do need Help from the PWA guys and their partners in, in Australia. So uh, it's a, it's a fine line. Yeah, but it's not good, and it, it need, this issue probably needs a little bit more attention, and it's something that uh, the high reps in New Japan should probably act swiftly. Concerning.
1: Yeah, they, they, should, they need to. Uh, yeah, put a, a swift you know end to this mess right right away. Last bits of news: Minor Suzuki will
0: be appearing for MLW on October 14th. The news was announced at MLW Fury Road on saturday night from philadelphia 2300 arena um gabe kidd was recently announced as the number one contender for michael oku so it looks like he'll probably be the next in line to get a rep pro undisputed british heavyweight championship title match um kosei fujita uh, teamed up with robbie eagles and made his australia debut as he's also on his excursion um along with uh oiwa and then uh hiromu defeated uh rising hayato and then kojima Challenge for the All Japan Triple Crown Championship against uh, Yumo Eowagi. Uh Both of those were at uh, the recent All Japan show. And Kojima was unsuccessful in his challenge, but I heard the match was uh, pretty good. So
1: Nice. I'll check that out. Well, that's going to bring us to questions, and then we'll uh, get to recommended match of the week. Uh, so first from random dude 4080918 Would you want CM Punk in the NJPW, and would it be a good fit or not in ring?
0: Um, You know, honestly, I mean, I I don't want to go into the whole (laughs) CM Punk thing, but I do think that the possibility of him potentially showing up in New Japan, it's not zero. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, now, could I see him signing a long term deal and making regular appearances with the company? No, not really. Yeah, I doubt it. But could I see him working one to two dates similar to a deal like what Sasha Banks or Mercedes Benz has done recently or like the initial run that, uh, Chris Jericho worked out for himself before they extended his deal? I could see something like that potentially. I don't know. Um, what the optics would look like considering new Japan and AEW do have the working relationship. Um, But that hasn't seemed to stop AEW from like booking triple a talent in the past, you know, or AEW
1: booking Kota Ibushi or Kota Ibushi.
0: So um, there is the possibility. And I, if, if CM Punk wants to continue wrestling and he, and the price is right, I can see him working new Japan. I personally, I have no interest in it. Um, But, you know, uh, I, I don't think that CM Punk is a top level wrestler any longer, right? I think that there's a high, a very, very high end working level that he's just not quite up to at this point. But that doesn't mean he's not a great wrestler. He is still a great wrestler. He's just not at the tip tip top. And there's a very high working level in New Japan. But, um, you know, I think even some of the top guys and him could have a very good match if called upon. Like, do I think that there could potentially be money for the company if they brought him in and did him in Okada or him in Tanahashi or, you know, him in uh, Will Ospreay or something like that? I, I do. So I'm, I wouldn't say that it's a zero percent chance. Um, I don't know if they've got the deep pockets to afford to bring him in, but it is something he's always wanted to do. He's never worked in New Japan, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he came here, and did a couple dates and then bounced to WWE afterwards.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's definitely higher than zero percent chance. Like you, I have no interest in uh, seeing CM Punk in New Japan. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's not, you know, in AEW anymore, and also see him there. And I, I would care not to see him in New Japan, but there is money that could be made with him potentially doing, a, you know, a one off match against Okada or uh, another top star. I mean, maybe Will Ospreay. Um, I don't think he would be the best fit in-ring. Um, like you mentioned, there's a high working standard. Obviously, a pro like Okada and, and Osprey and those guys could probably, you know, carry him through to a, a great matchup, and it would be fine. But I don't. I could, I have a hard time seeing him potentially doing a, a full-time schedule. I know he's mentioned he wanting to do a G1 in the past. I have a hard time seeing him get through a G1. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I would not want him, and I don't think he's the, the best fit.
0: I also would struggle to, you know, see how the politics of all that would work out with them bringing him in, unless it like the only person I could see him like willingly lay laying down for is like maybe Okada in a one-off, but I don't even know about that.
1: Yeah. He's yeah. He's probably gonna want, probably win a t- title, have a big match like that. <laughs> Okada. Yeah. Uh, next question, it says, while the full card for the Kobe World Hall show has been set for a while, the Ryugoku show still has some matches left to be announced. What do you expect them to be? I don't know
0: yet, but, it, you know, like I said, it's there's a couple big names out there they haven't booked anything for, so it's probably some something surrounding that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the most likely thing is we're probably going to get a bunch of multi-mans based off of the results from uh, Destruction in Kobe. Uh, his last question here the October 1st Corken show happens on the same day as the Wrestle Dream Peer Review that Tony Khan announced. As such, how do you see that situation panning out? I mean, we kind of already covered that, but. I think they'll send
0: some of the guys that I listed. I think the most likely scenario is they send like a few New Japan dads. Rocky shows up, maybe Tom Lawler. Bishamon. And then you get Bishamon and some of the United Empire guys, and then you get like uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Will Ospreay, maybe Kenta. Yeah. You know, and that will be enough for them to kinda say like there's new Japan involvement.
1: Yeah. I mean they can do like a Bishop Monverse FTR rematch. Yeah. yeah. There's some there's some options. Uh next question here from Reddit user PP McShitter. With CM Punk <laughs> <laughs> leaving AEW, say he goes to New Japan as trips and TK doesn't want him. Who do you see being Punk's first major opponent, and when would it happen? I.e., Wrestle Kingdom eighteen, Dominion, G One Climax, Fighting Spirit Unleashed, etc.
0: We don't really know what the clauses are in terms of non compete uh, with his contract. So, you know, any speculation, we would we don't really know. You know, Um, the only two matches that really stand out to me as being like, you know, the, the matches I listed. Him and Osprey, him and uh, Okada, and him and Tanahashi are like the big ones. Um, I think for some fans, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that him and Naito wouldn't be a big deal, but I feel like for the Western audience, they probably wouldn't care as much. And I feel like, uh, I don't think CM Punk is very... Up on his Perezu, I don't see him, you know, logging into the old New World too often. <laughs> so he probably knows who Naito is. I don't know how familiar is he is with his work. I don't, I don't see him like wanting to get down with Tomohiro Ishii or Shingo Takagi. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think he's about that life. But like, could I see him wanting to have a classic with you know Tanahashi or Okada or Will? Yeah,
1: yeah, he was supposed to have that Tanahashi match at uh, Forbidden Door One, but got hurt so. Maybe he still wants to have that match. Um, also, the, just the Kenta match, but that match was probably never, ever going to happen. Those guys hate each other, um, and Kenta's not going to want to lay down for, for CM Punk, especially not in Japan. Um, so, yeah, the, the Okada match is probably the most likely match. And I, like you said, we don't know what his non-compete is, if there is one, but I would guess if he would come in, it's going to be at a Wrestling Kingdom show or, event, yeah. or, or Dominion. Yeah. Uh, next question from Def Triangle Seven Twenty. Outside the wrestling, outside of the wrestling, what can New Japan do to bring in other forms of revenue?
0: Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can, you know, the stuff that other companies do—merchandising, trying to secure better television deals for themselves. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I really couldn't speak too much to the business side of. You know, a Japanese corporation. Like I don't know.
1: Yeah, we don't really have the, you know the in and outs of exactly what they're doing outside of the shows. So, like you mentioned, yeah, the TV deals. Obviously, that's a really big thing in America, and I know they do have some TV deals in Japan. But if they can find a way yet yeah, to increase revenue from media, merchandise are probably the two low hanging fruits for them to get more revenue. Uh, next question here from DJ underscore Aftershock. Thoughts on my goofy-ass idea of Kosei Vegeta being the first young lion to ever win an NJVB title by winning the six-man titles alongside Shane and Mikey in TMDK.
0: Well, he's not a young lion any longer, so it's not possible.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a graduator, right? Yes. So, yeah, so he would just be, yeah, TMD TMDK team winning <laughs> the trio title. Uh, last question. Seventy-five says the start of the World of destruction begins this week. So my question to you guys is, what's y'all's favorite destruction match from New Japan? I don't have a top favorite, but one of mine has to be Tanahashi from Zach versus Saber Junior for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship in twenty seventeen.
0: Oh, I I don't even remember what's ever been on a <laughs> the, the one on a
1: destruction show. The one that stands out to me, uh, Kenny Omega versus Ishii uh, Destruction, twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen.
0: I was gonna say that, but I couldn't remember if that was on power struggle or um destruction. So, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Those events all kind of merge into one thing for me, you know.
1: Yeah, the Ishii Omega was definitely destruction because it was it was September because Ishii had beat Kenny in G1. Kenny was champion and then they did the uh the title match on instruction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm like looking at some of these shows, destruction and kobe. I don't know. There's a really good uh, Tanahashi-Shibata match from uh, Destruction in 2014. That's probably got to be up there. That Maybe that's my answer. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, next question from MJSPR. So Destruction is a sneaky good card, mix of good singles and title matches, but it doesn't have a ton of momentum. Has American Wrestling, AEW specifically, sucked the air out of the room for NJPW?
0: I mean, I maybe but i mean it, it, it's i don't know how much the crossover fan base is there actually is at this point it seems like we're getting to a point where um because of the amount of content that is being put out by all these different groups it's becoming more and more difficult to be a diehard you know watch every show pay attention to everything that they're doing for all these different companies you know fan of these different companies so um New Japan puts out a lot of content. AW puts out a lot of content. So does WWE. And then beyond that, you have your, you know, your pick of all the Pro companies, all the Lucha companies, all the independents, all the Joshis, you know, stuff from the UK. I mean, there's a lot of fucking wrestling out there. And so I think we're getting more defined fandoms as opposed to in the past where people that would have been like major, you know, New Japan, you know, heavy fans also were watching lucha underground also were watching you know um uh you know like fucking nxt and uh super indies and roh and stuff like that and i think that uh that that day is coming to a head where the fandoms are becoming more and more defined and less intertwined Mm -hmm. so i don't know if necessarily it's a situation where uh aew has sucked the air out of the room i mean certainly we're at a place where we're a couple weeks removed from the uh g1 finals and there hasn't been a lot of news and there hasn't been a lot of activity or interest in what's going on with new japan but they're also not currently running shows and traditionally this period is sort of like a lull period after the g1 just before we get into dome season. So it's, it's not that uncommon that the, the interest sort of lulls and takes a dip. And at the same time, overall interest in New Japan has dropped in the States anyway. So to answer your question, maybe, yeah, there might be something to the idea that uh, you know mo- I think most Western fans pay more attention to the major Western companies. But I think once we get into some of these major tours and shows, you'll start seeing the activity up i'm not saying it's going to be a renaissance and that we're going to be back to 2018 2019 levels of interest but um I, I don't i don't see that there's as much um you know so much of a oh like aw is dominating the new space as much as it is like we're just inactive right now or at least new japan is
1: yeah and i, I feel like the western audience more they're kind of diving into the bigger show so you know destruction and in kobe ryo goku there'll probably be more people watching a little bit more discussion and then after that, we're, you know, the Royal Wrestle Kingdom. So people kind of be paying attention to see what the, the Tokyo Dome card's going to be look, looking like. And yeah, and I
0: think we are getting Power Struggle and then Tag League this year. That's what it looks like.
1: Yeah. So yeah, well, we're getting a junior Tag League. That's like on the road to Power Struggle, then Power Struggle, and then we'll get, uh, so that's straight up heavyweight World Tag League.
0: Power Struggle is the end of our year. So yeah, got <laughs> to <laughs> get ready for rewards.
1: <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Uh, See, next question, three questions here from Barry Walls. He says, I see on NJPW 1972, they are saying All In 2023 was the biggest wrestling crowd in history, but wasn't Collision in Korea, which Inoki put together even bigger in terms of attendance. I know people in Wembley were not fearing their life if they didn't attend, but still slightly misleading, is it not?
0: Well, let's be very clear here. They did not say that it was the largest uh, wrestling crowd in history. Um, or maybe New Japan 1972 said that. I don't know. But um AEW said that it was the largest paid attendance in professional wrestling history. And from very in modern era, verifiable, that is probably true. Um, or at least, you know, that's what the records show. Um, you know, it's probably a a, a debate and a in-depth discussion for another podcast mm-hmm. with more knowledge and insight. But, you know, realistically, when you're talking about the the biggest modern shows, you're talking about WrestleMania 32, WrestleMania three and SummerSlam 92 and all in 2023. And all four of those shows realistically had over 80,000 people in attendance. How much over, you know, all in? They're saying that aside from just paid attendance, you know, including comps and stuff like that, they had over 90,000 people in the building on that day, which I think is plausible. I also think it's possible that based on my studies, that SummerSlam 92 and WrestleMania three might've also had a similar number. Uh, It's hard to verify, but um, I don't really think that we should be giving props realistically to the collision in Korea shows because they were mandated attendance by a dictator with a non paid attendance, you know? Right. Yeah. People were
1: literally forced to to go, no, but they didn't give their hard earned money. Like I want to watch this wrestling show. (laughs)
0: it's very similar and i mean this might sound like a cop-out to some people but it's like you know when wcw had the shows in sturgis or like the bash at the beach in 1995 they claimed a hundred thousand people were there because they were you know i forget what it was but they're at venice beach during some big festival like there's a hundred thousand people here. It's like they're they didn't pay. They're not here to watch your show. <laughs> yeah, but they're here. It's like, all right, you know that's kind of the same thing. Or like when uh, WWF did a, a couple matches at Rolling Loud, and someone tried to claim that attendance. You know, there's like eighty thousand plus people here. It's like, dude, they're they're here for Rolling Loud. Right, they're they came for a concert. <laughs> yeah, they're not here to watch Bianca Belair. And uh, you know, I, I think it would be um, anyone that tries to like you Know realistically, make the argument that those collision in Korea shows hold some sort of weight when it comes to drawing ability and you know dollars earned, it's really idiotic.
1: Yeah, be like uh Jericho, is like I sold out Wembley with Fozzie, yeah, he didn't, <laughs> yeah. But, but that would be like the same thing, yeah. too. Yeah, uh, his next question is the sad news of the Funker has passed, has passed, although he never wrestled for New Japan. Do you not find it odd they never acknowledged it on NJPW nineteen seventy two? Terry was a big deal in Japan and was to me how Tanahashi is for Josh, his, that is this death hits hard. New Japan never made a mention of Kitamura's death when it happened either. I just find it a bit odd. Any opinions? Um,
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't frequent the NJPW nineteen seventy two dot com website too too often. Um but they I, did I thought, the I thought they did, yeah well they made mention of it online on twitter for sure yeah. you know and they, they are doing the tribute to him pre-show also that's not correct the he did he did work new japan um not often but i mean he had his first match his first his first tour with the company in 1995 teaming with sabu and he worked singles matches during that tour and then he worked a couple i think he worked at wrestle kingdom he, he worked a couple off and on matches throughout the years not a lot um but yeah he he did have a couple tours with new japan um but yeah and i new japan acknowledged kitamura's death as well um yeah. i i don't i don't think they had major write-ups in njpw1972.com maybe there was something to that maybe they should have i don't know i don't run their website but they definitely acknowledged those deaths online
1: yeah, that's what i thought too so yeah maybe if we don't he missed it or i don't know but yeah they definitely mentioned them uh, last question here says all the goat talk got me thinking about this as good as okada is why is he never mentioned is it possible to be as good and heralded as he is yet still be underrated or underappreciated perhaps
0: i don't know it's all relative you know it depends on your opinion i i i know a lot of knowledgeable wrestling fans i think he's the greatest of all time so I, I hear his name brought up pretty regularly honestly um but there are definitely people who probably don't Feel that way for a number of reasons. And at the end of the day, it's all relative, anyways.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Okada, he's kind of one of those situations where it's almost like a Yankee or some kind of big sports dynasty where they win so much, you don't want to talk about them, or they're so great, you don't want to talk about them. And so, you know, maybe people just don't kind of admit him for that reason. But yeah, I do think he's one of the greatest. And like you said, most of the people we talk to do kind of acknowledge Okada's greatness. A lot of people who don't are, are really like, Hardcore WWE only watch WWE fans, and they think Roman Reigns is the greatest.
0: Yeah, I mean, most most of the if I'm talking to someone and they don't think Okada is, you know, and I'm not saying they have to think he's the greatest or you know necessarily. Like for instance, this, you might not think that he's the greatest, right? But if you think that me including him in my list of like the tip top all time greats is egregious, then you know, we're on different wavelengths. We can't have that discussion.
1: Right. You know? Yeah. All right. Last uh, two questions here from Hawaiian punch BV does with new Japan looking to potentially expand internationally. What territory should they invest their time into? Should they do what AJPW does and look for talent in smaller wrestling territories in Europe? They discovered Francisco Akira from Italy and are currently developing a mass wrestler from France named, is that agile, agile Blanc?
0: I don't know how to pronounce the <laughs> French
1: word, so I
0: couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I think New Japan scouts from internationally and around the world, and yeah, maybe they will turn more of their attention to um, you know, Europe and that sort of thing. I mean, there have been plenty of times in the past where New Japan has opened the door to um, other regions and other types of wrestlers. I remember like in the late 80s when they brought in all the Soviet workers, and I remember the mid eighties when they brought in all the shoot style guys and again in the nineties when they did that. The mid nineties when they brought in all the um all the shindy, you know, junior workers from all over the domestics, which was like kind of crazy at the time. And you know, they they've always had a uh a, a lot of working relationships, a lot of um, you know, foreign talent from across the globe that has come in from all over different places. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they start expanding and bring, you know, as far as like expanding potentially, not just, um, you know, uh, acquiring talent. I mean, that's something, again, that's, I'm not really, I couldn't tell you where they should be looking to, you know, uh, get deals. But I mean, I don't think it hurts to potentially have revenue from television internationally in a lot of different markets because that's something that benefits WWE, it's something that benefits AEW. And New Japan's done a bit of that in the past. And I think that if they intend to, you know, run internationally, having a television presence first is going to be something that really helps them.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of room to grow in the UK. You know, since speaking out happened, a lot of UK indies kind of went down or got really smaller. So I think, you know, also, you know, RevPro is their partner. It's there, but I do think that they've had a lot of success bringing in UK talents. I've seen you know, Will Ospreay, Zach Sabre Jr. We're seeing Akira, uh, ELP, Dan Maloney. There's a lot of guys who've come from RevPro, and I think they've created a kind of good base in the UK. I think there's, even outside of, you know, England, I think there's probably room to grow in that whole, like, British Isles and, and UK area. Uh, his last question, he says, uh Kobe has learned it has a large Korean and Chinese community. Should New Japan invest in talent from those countries for whenever they have shows in Kobe? Dragon Gate has two Hong Kong wrestlers in Jason Lee and Ho Ho Lun. They are part of a subunit that Dragon Gate uses for Kobe shows only. Well,
0: you'd kind of have to imagine that if they
1: intend to run in other parts of
0: Southeast Asia, um, that they probably should open the doors to talents from other regions like that but at the same time i don't uh, i don't know how deep the talent rosters and wrestling scenes from other parts of the world really are um so that kind of remains to be seen um but it's not a bad idea the other thing too is like you know unfortunately there's a lot of persisting uh cultural racism that exists in you know japan as well as other surrounding countries and a lot of uh historic issues between different um you know, Asian cultures with one another, you know, longstanding feuds and histories and stuff like that. So I, and I'm not the most knowledgeable when it comes to all that. So I don't know, you know, how that is viewed by parts of the public and stuff like that. But, you know, um, it's definitely something for them to kind of consider, you know, I, if, if we were a little more knowledgeable about like the, you know, the actual culture of Japan, I could probably give you a, a more, you know, succinct answer, but I'm not too familiar. So I couldn't tell you.
1: Yeah. I'll see. Yeah, not familiar either. And so, but, I mean, it makes sense. though, if they're, you're going to different parts of, in different countries, you want to have a, a local star from whatever country you're going into. So, um, if that's- they did run those shows in, uh, Singapore, um, a couple of years ago, just
0: before we started the podcast, I remember they did, a. they even did an event, uh, I think one in Bangladesh, They've done some India shows in the past as well. So they've done some stuff in Asia before. Mm.
1: Well, that's it for the questions. Uh, are we doing recommended match of the week?
0: Yeah, I guess we could do that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, the last rotation. So I have recommended you have excursion. Uh, so for the recommended match of the week, I'm recommending AJ Styles versus Roki Goto from G1 2014.
0: Okay, great. And um, I am going to recommend the match between Satoshi Kojima and Yumo uh from September 3rd, 2023. You know, we've also forgot to mention, I think like Julia just defended her strong women's championship successfully. Oh, yeah. I did think, I think that's what was her what, third defense now. I don't know. I don't watch the women's <laughs> wrestling. And then uh, I think Eddie Kingston also defended the strong title. Uh, on Dynamite
1: that's right yeah he defended against uh, Wheeler Utah this past uh, Wednesday on Dynamite yeah it's just the world of New Japan
0: never stops
1: <laughs> soon there will be the title offenses in MLW <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs>
1: Kojima coming for the gold <laughs> alright well that's going to wrap things up for us here this week next week we'll be back to review the start of the Road to Destruction tour and cover all the latest news if you enjoyed today's show Please consider making a donation. Visit SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media on Twitter. The show is at K.I. Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow the network at Social Suplex. Follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. On Instagram and Threads at K.I. Strong Style at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy, just keeping a strong style. You can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. And check out all those shows that we have here on Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Flatter and James Boyd, and all things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Tomowitz. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. It's your bum.
0: Thank you for listening to Keepin' It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.